Have you ever thought about the fact that people in the church should have the healthiest relationships? After all, you've got a room full of people trying to look like Christ. So in theory, relationships in the church should be marked by love and joy and kindness. Yet so often they are just as messy and just as broken as they are anywhere else. We decided that's not okay. So we sat down with some of our people and just started asking questions in an attempt to figure out where things have gone wrong. So if you felt for a while like there's something off about relationships in the church, you're not alone. And we'd love to invite you on this journey as we figure out what it looks like to do this well. Welcome to Something's Off. Welcome to Something's Off. I'm your host, Joshua Story, and I'm joined this week by my co-host, Brooke Seal. Brooke, how are you? Josh, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to be a part of this, and I'm so excited for this whole podcast. Uh, For this episode, we got to sit in and talk with um, some friends of ours from Renovate, some single girls, and they shared so vulnerably and openly, and I'm so thankful that they let us be a part of it and were willing to talk about kind of what's off in in the dating world. Yeah, I completely agree. It was a a really, really cool conversation, and I'm just so excited for people to listen in because I think that there's a lot of folks who could resonate with what these uh, ladies are saying. So let's just dive straight in. Without further ado, here is our conversation. Uh, what's up, guys? It's good to see everybody, um, and I am so excited for tonight. We have, honestly, so many things that I want to dive into, um, but before we do that, let's put voices with names, because sometimes it's kind of hard in the podcast world, so we'll start over here. Just uh, say your name and where you're from. Perfect. My name is Hannah Amelia, and I am from Long Island, New York. Hey, guys. I'm Allie Green, and I'm from Orange County, California. Hey, y'all. My name is Katie Coleman, and I'm also from Orange County, California. I'm MJ, and I'm from Albany, Texas. I'm Savannah Olson, and I am from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Fantastic. All right, so there is so much that I want to cover with y'all tonight about what's off with singleness, uh, but I don't want to blow right past the joys of singleness because there uh, really are some cool things about being single. So uh, first off, walk me through some of the joys of being single. Yes, yeah, so being single, it's definitely, I think, a stigma that comes with that. Um, I feel like as a girl, too, um, I've always been the girl that dreamt of certain things at certain times in life, but the Lord's had other plans. But it's actually been super sweet, and I could name like eight different things about why I'm actually glad that I'm single. Um, and two of the, like, the practical things I think about when I think about my season of singleness are being able to plan my own schedule and spend my money how I want to. That sounds really day-to-day and boring. No, that's huge. But yeah, it's nice just being able to pick what I want to do on the weekend and hang out with who I want to hang out with. Also, how I spend my money. Like, I'm only financially responsible for myself. myself. Um, and, like, you know, tithing to the church or giving to this place or treating myself there or giving a gift for a friend. I don't have to check with anybody on that. It's just me. And I've heard a lot of my engaged and married friends say that that is something they actually struggle a lot over, even if they've gone through it with their premarital counseling, that when it comes to actually going through that and how their wife or their husband actually spends their money, they can get into a lot of fights about that. So um, I've really taken it actually as time to educate myself in terms of finances and all that stuff. So when the Lord does bring somebody, I feel like I'm prepared for that. Cool. 
Um, I would say singleness gives me the chance to literally be available. So mm. not even just available, obviously for a date, if you're interested. Um, <laughs> start no, off but, strong. Uh, to, you know, to be there for girls, uh, like especially younger girls. Um, I get to say yes and like wholeheartedly mean it. I can follow up. I have the capacity to remember things about girls when they tell me something and I can follow up when it's their first, you know, started their internship or my friends uh, like dog died and I can get them flowers or I can remember the small things that a lot of people might miss because we simply don't have the capacity to remember everything. And once you enter a relationship, you're so focused on remembering things and being like the best version of yourself that there's not a lot of margin often for um, like specifically younger girls in my case or friends. Um, and even recently, um, one of my friends was like, wow, you're really loyal. Hmm. And that's like an attribute I've never gotten before. I've never been called loyal. Not that I wasn't, but I just think that I had shown up enough times for them to see like, wow, you're really loyal. You show up. And I really would attribute that to being single. Um, so I think that's one of the best things that I've found recently, um, in being able to wholeheartedly celebrate the idea of having time. Totally. Like you, you get to be so much more present because mm-hmm. your time belongs to you and you alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll bounce off that one. Um, my favorite thing right now, at least about being single is my freedom of time. Like you guys were mentioning, I love my job with every ounce of my being, but I always say if I was married or if I had kids, I wouldn't get to do it to the capacity that I get to now. So I think getting to serve my students in that way is such like a free feeling because there's no one waiting at home. Now that's not always the most healthy thing, but I do get to like do that. And so the freedom to like choose what I do with my time. And then what MJ was saying, the freedom to love people around me. I know someone mentioned it, but my, one of my greatest desires is to be a mom and a wife someday, but getting to watch my friends become husbands and wives and moms and dads and joining with them in that has been the sweetest thing. And that's something I think because we are single, we get to just dive in. And so sometimes it's like, we're just, some people think, oh, we're just there. But I think it's one of my greatest passions to watch people falling in love and creating their families and just getting to join them. But that's a freedom of time, like my job, getting to be with community that I don't think I would have if I had to constantly you know, check with someone else or have to be combining schedules and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. I think you guys totally hit the nail on the head of just the freedom and availability that comes with creating my own schedule and be able to, um, yeah, just spend my time as I will, whether that's with my own like self-improvement and growth. And like MJ mentioned, like investing in younger women, I think has been something that, um, I don't know if I'll always have the capacity to do, um, you know, as much as I'm able to do right now, but to be able to, um, just focus on my ministry in my singleness, um, has been really, really sweet. So I love that. And I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Going off of that, I think, um, something I've noticed very recently is just kind of a space for unhindered personal growth and spiritual growth. Um, so recently just been going through some tough stuff with family, some stuff that I, is just a lot. It's a lot to deal with. It's emotionally heavy. Um, and I have specifically thanked the Lord during this season that I do not have someone else who has to walk in this with me and because I think that there's my sin that comes out during it. And it's a lot that I'm trying to process. And, 
you know, I've been forced to go to the Lord because, he, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's who's there. And I think that that's really healthy. And I think that the Lord has protected me and just provided a space for me to, you know, engage in a relationship with my immediate family in a way that I just haven't been able to before and walk through this sticky, yucky stuff and lean on him. And that's been super cool. And I just, I praise him that like, I get to experience this pain because I think in the long run, it's going to make me a better person and hopefully a better wife and a better mom, mm-hmm. just having experienced what I have, even though it's not fun. I, I think there's a benefit to it for sure. Yeah. yeah. And even like in those moments of loneliness, like when we feel like sometimes singleness isn't always the best thing in the world and there's going to be days where we're like, gosh, this really stinks being able to lean into the Lord and what he has and just increase our trust for the purpose of relationships in our life, whether it's friendships or people that we're pouring into or people that are pouring into us of ultimately what are relationships for and it's for God to use them for his purpose and his glory. And so just trusting right now, I think that's been really cool for all of us, I feel like, to just increase our trust in what God's doing in our lives. Yeah. Well said, Hannah. That's awesome. Well, I know that there really is a bunch of joy in the freedom and the ability to pursue growth with you know, a full focus there in, in, in all these these things, but we also know that singleness uh, definitely comes with its own shocks and frustrations and all these things. Um, let's talk about that. What are some of the kind of shocks and frustrations that you guys have experienced uh, in this season of singleness? I would say, especially coming from California to Texas, and maybe Allie kind of gets this, I was super excited to meet my, like, cowboy, probably, like, <laughs> month two. I, I went to TCU my freshman year, um, and so I was really kind of expecting that, and family and friends from California were asking, like, oh, have you met your cowboy yet? I'm like, <laughs> um, no, but I, I think he's coming, um, and... Um, so I honestly just thought there'd be more dating going on in college and then especially post-college. I thought, okay, for sure. We all have our degrees, we all have our cute new first time jobs. <laughs> I was, you know, really excited for that. And it just, it hasn't happened, but I think kind of going off what all of us touched on, um, in the first kind of couple things we were hashing out was that I'm actually in the weirdest way. And I won't say this on some days when I'm not in a good headspace with this, but Luckily, on more days than not, I feel like I can say I'm actually grateful that there hasn't been a ton of dating because I wasn't the best high school dater. Um, So I had a lot of stuff from there that I really had to hash out with the Lord in counseling um, and amongst community and still working on some accountability pieces with that. Um, But I am glad that I am learning what I'm learning about myself, how I'm made, um, who the Lord is, his character. Um, and what I believe and don't believe about that, what I need to work through now, as even though sometimes I feel old, but I'm 25, as young as I am. Um, t- t- and it's, I honestly think of that as a gift because I know that there are some awesome believing couples that I know that are married that didn't get the chance to do that. And yeah. they're hashing all that out in marriage. And that's marriage is already hard. So I'm grateful that even though, you know, the dating scene hasn't been as hot as I wanted it to be, uh, I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's a little cooler. So that way I've been able to grow in my relationship with the Lord yeah. and just sift through a lot of those hard things. Yeah. As far as like not really being the dating scene that you thought it would be, what do you think that stems from in your experience? Like, why do you think that maybe guys don't ask out girls as often as we might expect them to, especially coming out here, like, because 
Texas in theory is kind of like where things are still a little bit more old school. Like guys ask out girls, they go on dates, all this other stuff. Like you're married at 22, like all that stuff. Totally. Why do you think that's been your experience? I get that question every time I go home. And um, I, I think I've broken it, broken it down to two things. One, I think it's a cultural thing. I think that our society, um, just in terms of gender roles um, and different things, I think it's made guys honestly kind of scared, um, not as bold. And I'm not saying that against them. Yeah, I yeah. think it's just become this comfortable place for them to be in. Um, I know that there's, I mean, I'm a, an educator, so I've seen the lack of good fathers in homes and the effect that has on guys and girls, but especially guys, like no one's sitting them down and saying, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. And it's just because, and, you know, respect isn't held in the same way and clarity, um, so I would say that's one issue. And I think the other issue is it's just, God just has, and this sounds so like Christianese, but <laughs> God has just had, I think just has something better yeah. and bigger than I could even dream up. And I've already seen that play out in my professional life, in my friendships, um, in the physical space that I'm living in, even my apartment. So I look to those things and I think, okay, all of this has blown my mind. And some of it's actually been none of anything I've ever wanted, but then it's happening. And I'm like, oh, I want this so bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I just have to trust knowing his pattern there and knowing his pattern throughout scripture that that's going to happen for me in my future marriage, hopefully. And then my job as a mom, that he's also going to give me his strength and power to be able to execute those roles well. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. That's really good. I think, too, I totally affirm you in that, Katie, and I, I agree 100%. I think I've even seen it play out in my own life of, like, when I thought I wanted something really bad, especially in the context of relationships, it's like, oh, thank God that didn't work out. Like, I'll look back <laughs> on someone that I wanted to date, like, a year ago, two years ago, and the further back we go in time, the more thankful I am it didn't go that way. <laughs> um, but I also think even maybe more foundational than that, as solid as that is, too, it's like to narrow in more on even church culture specifically – I think we get ourselves in trouble a lot with expectations. Like I think Mm. expectations make or break anything you do. And I think, especially in church culture, we treat date one, like it's like date 23. And it's like, oh my gosh, if you go on a date, you're already planning the wedding. And, And with the best of intentions, I think women especially can fall into this trap, maybe more so. It's like, oh my gosh, like, what's his middle name? Cause that's what you can name your first son. <laughs> and, it's like, and it's like, no, we went to dinner and right. it's like, I think in this culture, we are already like, it's already like when a guy I know in my experience of just even guy friends of mine that I've talked to and kind of walked through stuff with when they've asked my advice as a girl that they trust, it's like, okay, so I know this about her and oh, I'm kind of caught up on this. And I know I'm pretty sure she would say yes. And I'm like, dude, just ask her. That's what yes. date one is for. Date one is not for you to know you're going to put a ring on it in six months. Yep. Date one is to get to know her and learn her middle name and learn what she did in high school and learn what she's passionate about and what she studied in college. And then see if you want to go on date two and then see if you want to go on date three. You don't owe her anything. And, and quite frankly, she doesn't owe you anything. And so why are we treating date one like that's, you know, where the relationship has to start being defined? It's like, no, go on a date. And I think we in our church culture can do a much better job of setting each other up for healthier expectations of like, honestly, urging each other to go on more dates and, and assigning assigning the right (laughs) equality to a date and then responding appropriately to healthy expectations. Totally. I think there's a lot of guys who might get intimidated by the fact that like, I'd love to ask out this girl, but if I do, like everyone's going to act as if we're getting married and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I distinctly remember, 
uh, the first time that Hales and I walked into church together. We had, <laughs> we had gone on one date the week before that, uh, and then the next week we decided to get coffee and go into church together. <laughs> Scandalous. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember as soon as we sat down, I got like five texts from people all over the room being like, who is that? And like, like even someone in the balcony was like texting me. He was like, dude, I saw you with a girl. Who is that? Are y'all getting married? And <laughs> the binoculars and, looking down on you. Right. Totally. <laughs> and just like, and feeling this sense of, whoa, like that seems so serious and so heavy. Like we've been on mm. one date and like, yeah. we just happened to get coffee before church. And so I think that, yeah, like setting those expectations is huge. Yeah. Anyway, what else? What, what other shocks and frustrations have you guys felt? I'll, I'll go. Um, it kind of goes off that. I feel like. I think I talked about just being like the last in the friend group. Mm -hmm. And so kind of what Brooke was saying, I feel like we have this expectation. So like coming from California, those four years of college, it's like this weird, whether or not you're part of it, there's a hookup culture because it's college. And so coming back, you know, you talk to your family, are you dating anyone? No, they're all weird. You know, like I'm out and it was easy. It was like an easy thing. Mm. And then junior and senior year, all those best friends realized, you know what, like this is the Lord's plan for us. And they did start dating and getting married. So I feel like that first year out of college, it was like coming back. Yeah, I've gone to seven weddings this fall. (laughs) And yes, I'm by myself, you know, I'm still by myself at them. But it was a shift in the expectation at home. So at home, it wasn't, are you dating? It was, so when's, like, when's it your turn? Mm. And so I think mm. when you think about that, those all eyes on the single person, that's how I constantly, we have this theme at weddings even, you know, we toss the bouquet and all the single people are out there in the lights mm-hmm. and everyone knows who it's you. And I now just have this habit of avoiding it. I'm like, that will <laughs> not happen at my wedding. Yeah. And just because there's such a focus on it, whereas I almost feel like there's this three-year season where since getting married and being in a serious relationship was such a trend, I always tell them, I'm like, you guys didn't have to actually date in the real world. Mm. Like, you dated at a time where it was like, you guys seemed like the most mature and the rest of us were kind of just watching. And now that we're you're married and have people have kids, it's almost like we miss this boat of like normalcy to where if we talk about dating, it's like, oh my gosh, exactly what you're saying, Josh. Like, so if you go on a date with him, obviously you can see yourself marrying him. It's like, holy moly. Like, let me just go get dinner with someone like would have been normal junior year of college. Yes. But now that we're out and people are married and we're the, you know, final 10 single people (laughs) on the face of the planet. Exactly. (laughs) But then you go back to California and I really do think it's a huge Southern thing. You go back to other places and it's like, I can't believe you're the only one left in that group. You know, Mm. um, no one we know from college stayed in their college community or stayed at their church. Mm. And so I think the Lord has such a different plan for everyone, but I think that we have just such amazing people in our life too, that we are surrounded by people who love each other so well and have started these like amazing marriages. But I think it does zoom in you're the one, you know, you're the one that's waiting. Totally. And then in that context, it changes to, oh, are you dating someone to, wait, you feel like, oh shoot, when am I going to get married? Right. You know, and then it's like, oh, dating all of a sudden becomes this whole different ball game where you're like, wait, wait, that's not what I'm signing up for. And so it's this weird pressure that I feel like you feel like when all your friends are married like that, for sure. Like, let's just skip this whole dating thing because I want to know what the Lord's plan for my marriage is. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out something has to come before that. Yes, totally. I think... My biggest shock is I'm 24. I think I'm the youngest in the crew. Um, And my fridge is full of save the dates. And Mm. I'm like, hold up. I'm 24. 
this is insane. Um, and my roommate who's 23, she thinks it's hilarious. Like I, every, <laughs> I'm checking the mail all the time and I'm like, Ooh, ch- add that one, add that one. Ooh, this one's a fun font, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And, um, it's exactly what you said, Ali. It's, um, it's the bubble and maybe you're in the bubble where it's crazy. You're the one person married and it's barbaric that you're married in 24 and all your friends are not, but it's wild when, if you don't fight to get out of it, I think that was the biggest shock for me is um, how many people in my community, I would say my closest girlfriends, I have one that's single and the rest aren't. One's dating and the rest are married. And so at the party, it's like, you know, there's the two guys that I see at every party that's single. (laughs) And then here's all my married friends. And it's like a dodgeball team. They're like, okay, who's like, who do I pick on my dodgeball team? You know, like who's last? Might as well get together. And it's just like wild to me because... Um, I just wasn't ready for that. Like I wasn't ready for my social experiences to be, um, gender reveals and engagement parties and housewarming parties. And we got a dog party (laughs) and I've had to literally learn how to fight to celebrate them and then fight to find other people to celebrate with that are in my season. And part of that has been, I have a ton of friends in Dallas now and we have a party and it's St. Patrick's Day party, or it's a like, come dress as your favorite blank party. Like it helps me be able to celebrate the season I'm around um that's not my season and but I was just shocked that I would be feeling behind at 24 yeah totally Mm -hmm. I have something to add real quick base just MJ said the phrase might as well and I feel like all of us in this room we've gone through seasons where I've convinced myself I might as well oh like and I think that's where in our singleness we have to be surrounded by people that are either Mm. in relationships that can speak into us or just people in our communities because I've found myself in the might as well, like especially in the middle of quarantine, right? Like we're sitting there, we can't leave the house, we have no one to talk to. Well, might as well text him, right? Might as well bring up. But I think if we remind ourselves like the Lord doesn't want the might as well, hmm. he doesn't want us to never would someone get down on their knee and you'd be like, well, might as well, <laughs> like we're the last ones. But I think in that minute, it's so easy to convince ourselves, okay, this is it. Like this is it for me, but I don't think it should ever feel like that. Totally. Mm-hmm. So that might as well needs to go away. Totally. <laughs> and I think for, I mean, I felt felt this way for sure, that on my like, darker days or the days when I felt most alone, you begin to believe this idea that a relationship is better than no relationship at all. Mm-hmm. And so even the thought of like settling for, uh, it might not be like the best relationship, but I don't know, maybe I missed my chance. You just kind of start believing these lies, at least I did, where you really fall into that might as well mindset of settling for any relationship because we believe that it's better than no relationship at all. And I feel like that's a really crash and burn way to go about it. Yeah, I think that comes from valuing the relationship status more than Mm -hmm. the relationship or even as a single person, the relationships you get by not being in a dating one of like, you can dive really deep into like rich community, which is something we've all kind of touched on already. And I think that might as well phrase is so good because it's kind of like, oh, I'll just move the goal line. And it's like, well, is the goal to be in a relationship or is the goal to look more like Jesus and partner with someone that helps you do that very thing? And it's, I think we have to keep reminding ourselves and remind the single people around us and, and quite honestly, the dating and the engaging the married people around us too, of like, if, if who you're with in that relationship and if you continue to move forward, especially towards marriage, it's like if they're not making you look more like Jesus and if you can't do more for the kingdom with them than without them, then you need to reevaluate because it's, yeah, it's not the might as well. 
and it makes really well you, put. It makes you think about the people that are in your corner. Mm. Like I know at least one of my very good guy friends who's so for me that has said like two dates and I'm taking him, you know, like I'm going to evaluate. <laughs> and that has honestly gotten me out of a lot of situations because I've been like, I'm not going to make you go through that. You're not going to sit with my community if I mm. know that you're not pushing me towards Jesus. And so I think putting that filter takes away that might as well because mm. I'm not going to let the other person know I even considered you know, anything less than what Jesus wanted. Yeah. That's good. I think the most frustrating thing for me about, I guess, dating singleness is my deep desire to be a wife and a mom. I believe with all of my being in my entire self that that is what the Lord has designed me for. And so, I mean, I feel like like when we learn about our desires and our giftings, you know, you you talk to the Lord about it, you discover your passions and your interests, and then you also have other people who are walking with the Lord lean into that and point those things out in you. And I mean, I've had everything from, you know, people do that in me of, you know, you're going to be the best mom, you're going to be the best wife. Like these are amazing qualities. And I, I've found myself so many times asking the question just, you know, in the silence of like, Lord, did I miss something? Like, are these the wrong people? Like, are these people lying to me? Like, is this Mm. feeling that I feel so deep inside me to want to be a wife and a mom? Like, is it wrong? Like, did I, did I mess up? Did I miss the boat? And so I think that's one of the things I wrestle with in singleness is just, I know that you wired me for this. And I mean, I want that to be my mission field. Like I want babies to be, I want that to be my mission field. Like, Lord, I want to serve you in that way. Like not even selfishly, but like use me in that way. Mm-hmm. And I have just been left feeling more times than not just confused about that. Um, and obviously like the Lord has like brought me peace even in the midst of that. But I think that that's like an underlying question that I often ask. And that's really hard. Something that you said that I just want to affirm that I think is really cool is I think there is a difference between wanting to be married and wanting to be a wife. Yes. Right. Mm. And I think that so many times people can come to this place where it's like, I just want to be married. It's like, do you want to be married or do you want to be a spouse? Right. It's like someone saying, oh, I really want to have a baby. It's like, well, do you want to have a baby or do you want to be a parent? Because those are two drastically (laughs) different things. It's like, do you want like a really cute Christmas card or do you want to like be up at three o'clock in the morning? And so I think that like, Savs, just to like, just affirm that, because I think that's such a beautiful sentiment of, I think so often we talk to people who are like, I just want a relationship. I just want to be married. I just want to be in that next season of life. And the reality is if you don't long to be a spouse first, if you don't long to be someone who like lays down your life for another person who wants to serve and uh, love and cherish. And when you think about the vows that a person makes on their wedding day, like they're pretty gnarly, right? Like for richer, for poorer, like emphasis on poor, right? <laughs> like, you know, or like for better, for worse and, and sick, sickness and in health and like all these things, like that's a, it's a huge desire to want to be not just married, but to be like a spouse. And I think that's just a really, really cool thing because, think a lot of people don't necessarily think in those terms Mm -hmm. that's really good and we were talking about this earlier and I love that perspective too of like do you want to be married or do you want to be a spouse because it's like when you say oh I just want to be married the focus is kind of on you but when you want to be a spouse the focus is on a person that you might not even know yet but more importantly it's on the Lord because being someone's spouse is like that's 
founded in Scripture. Like God created marriage for man and woman to be together as one and to enter into a holy covenant. And that that relationship is the only one that's covenantal. And mm-hmm. so it's like that relationship will bring you to the end of yourself more than anything else on this earth. And a soapbox I get on a, a lot as as a single woman, and I'm I'm 27, and everyone I went to high school with is married, and most of them have kids. And then, and now that I'm in Fort Worth, I'm surrounded by a bunch of godly women who love Jesus and look so way more like Jesus than I do. And they spur me onto that. And I'm like, I'm so thankful that I'm not someone's spouse yet because I could be such a better spouse Mm -hmm. if and when the Lord brings it because of how people are shaping my life now. So it's Mm -hmm. like, again, it's not that goal is how can I look more like Jesus and let that be the mark because you'll never not get the opportunity to do that. Because if God's plan for your life is different than yours, that's okay, because again, that's earthly titles are not the goal. The goal is, okay, Jesus, what what is now? And I think, and yeah, those are such good desires of like, I want to be a spouse because being a spouse, if you understand it biblically, is I want to sacrificially lay my life down for one person consistently. And then if kids are brought into the mix, I want to die to myself every day to raise worshipers of God. Cause that's, that's what kids are. Like that's when, when Jesus talked, like when God talks about it early in Genesis and he says, you know, and he gives the cultural mandate, it's like part of that is, is to worship. And, and part of that is, and to spread the gospel is to make more worship first for Jesus. And that's, that's the next generation. And so it's like, if you're in a relationship just to get into it, it's like, no, like, am I in this in a way that brings heaven to earth just for a moment? And I think that that has to be the goal. And I think as single people, too, we can even affirm and encourage good qualities we see in each other. But let's make it about how we see Jesus in us now presently and maybe not even necessarily what's down the road of like that's something I try to intentionally do, with especially the women in my life that I consider my inner circle, my community. I'm like, man, you love me well in this way or you you remind me of this part of Jesus's character or oh, you spur me on in this way or challenge me in this way. Um, So, yeah, that's really good stuff. I think for me as a single woman, the moments that are um, the hardest at times or where I feel like I'm the most frustrated is when I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Um, And I think that stems from a place of distrust in ultimately in the Lord and his character. Um, But I think I'm so quick and maybe some women that are listening to this can resonate with um, feeling like just the not enough aspect of it. Um, And so whether that's whatever lie that I think so often as women, we can believe whether you've been single for a while or have never dated anyone. I feel like so often, maybe not often for you, but there might be moments where you catch yourself feeling like, okay, I'm not, you know, whether it's for you cute enough or fit enough or smart enough or wealthy enough, like whatever it may be. Um, I think for me, those moments of frustration come and, um, that's like kind of what Brooke was saying. Like, that's why we need women in our life and community in our life to be like, we know you're enough, not because of the way you look or the way that you act or how funny you are, but instead ultimately because of these are the characteristics of God. And these are the characteristics of who he says you are. Um, and so I think for me, I get frustrated. Yeah. Myself. Um, because I think there's, um, it's so, it's so easy at times to believe that lie of not being enough to be like, quote unquote, dateable or, you know, down the line, like marryable, I think in some ways. And so, um, I think, and Allie, I feel like you and I are in this way of like, we like have a bunch of, and all these women in this room, like all of us have a bunch of guy friends that are like really great. And, um, I feel like we're just like bros with the dudes and it's like, all right, yeah, like this is super fun. And like, we can hang and like mess around. Um, but then being like, wait, wait. So like anyone, 
What else would I do? <laughs> <laughs> totally. like, not like lowering the bar, obviously, but just being like, gosh, am I like, what's up? You know, like, am I missing the mark in some ways? And so I think that can sometimes be my biggest frustration. Um, and I just have to remind myself of who God is. And in this season right now, God's care comes in different forms. And right now, God caring for me the most is in my singleness and mm. having me be single right now. And so that's something that I like need to remind myself of all the time. That's really good. I'm glad you brought that up because we'd be lying to ourselves if that wasn't a lie we all believed. Oh, yeah, so dude. That was really sure. big. Yeah. I mean, hey, I'm glad for the sake of being vulnerable, up. let's go. Hey, <laughs> love it. Well, even on that, like, something that is so frustrating to me is how people try to make you feel better mm. when you're single. Or mm-hmm. I get like, you know, how are you single? And then that totally plays into the lie. Something is wrong. Right. Yes. Other people are also wondering why I'm single. Totally. It like hypes you up and you're like, wait, I'm great, right? Oh, wait, but like not. Yeah. Okay. And then the other one that I've caught myself saying, but have been said is, um, oh, the Lord has somebody better for you. Mm. And like, I want to call that out because it should be the Lord has better for you. And that better Mm. is him. Mm. It's not a somebody, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's, that's a lie. And Right. It's not the Lord has somebody better. It's like, no, he's that, that somebody's him. You totally. already can have him. Like I mm. had that. I thought about that the other day and I was like, whoa, I don't have to like wait. Yes. Like that somebody better is the Lord being like, it's me. I'm right here and I've been here and I will be here. Totally. And mm. I think that's like some of the things that maybe if you're listening, you aren't single is the way you encourage your single friends. Right. Um, like, what are you actually telling them back? You know? Because of that, that can, that's going to, like you said, go to their worth. Um, it can, at totally. least. And it has for me. And of that, like, I also think in some ways, like, singleness doesn't need to be as much of a, dis- this is a podcast on singleness. Got it. Awesome. <laughs> but, like, I think singleness doesn't need to be as much of a discussion as we make it in some ways. Of mm. A lot of times I feel like that is, and I'm so guilty of it, too. Like, obviously, if Katie's going on a date, I'm like, yo, dude, spill the tea. Let's hear it. But... <laughs> It doesn't need to be something where it's like we're talking about it all the time. And I think as single women, that can be discouraging when it always keeps coming up. And you would be like, nope, still no one. Yeah. <laughs> still the same. Do you want to yeah. know about my dreams? A, t- <laughs> yeah. a tip I learned. Yikes. Yeah. Something I, mean, I learned this year was to even share those like quick interactions with a dude that you like with like only a certain group of people. Because I tend to be an oversharer. And I feel like in this area, especially, I need to narrow my my group. Yeah. <laughs> Just being wise and who you share that with. Yes. Yes. And they're also not going to be like, oh my gosh, did you see that guy looking at you? Yes. <laughs> that also does not help either. No. Please stop doing that. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Nine out of 10, they're strange. Then I feel strange. <laughs> or they're a total snack and you're like, wait, was he? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, wait, where? To the left or right? Not that I'm going to look right now, but maybe later. <laughs> By six o'clock, your six o'clock. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad we all feel the same. <laughs> That's awesome. So I didn't get married until I was 30. And there were a lot of times, and I loved being single. I think there were so many things that God allowed me to do. I think in some ways, I don't know if I was a better pastor. I was a different kind of pastor when I was single um, because there were just things that I could do that I can't do now or just responsibilities that I didn't have. And so it's, it's really interesting to see kind of how those things changed. So I really loved my, my time. But there were also times where I just felt so alone. And the older I got especially, the more alone I felt um, I want to talk about that feeling for a second. When do you guys feel most alone in your singleness? It's a good question, Josh. And I feel like I've gotten asked this question a lot during quarantine because you had, quote unquote, so much alone time. Um, <laughs> but I'm interesting. I 
for example, my younger sister got married a year ago. I was her maid of honor. So the younger sister got married before me. I got asked, oh my gosh, do you feel so weird? Do you feel, you know, are you going to bring anybody? You're going to feel alone at the wedding or anything? And praise God, I honestly didn't. I mean, I had about six months leading up to the wedding to really pray about that against protection from that, which was really cool. Honestly, the night of my sister's wedding, loved it. Didn't feel one ounce of loneliness. But where I do feel really lonely is just on simple, like Friday, Saturday nights. I'm a fourth grade teacher. I get home. I would love someone to text me and just say, hey, got plans at, I don't know, Doc B's is a restaurant I like in Fort Worth. Uh, Doc B's <laughs> at seven, you know, put on something cute. I'll pick you up. It's going to be great. Like, that's just so one freeing because I'm usually the planner doing those things for my friends. But second of all, it's just like, Oh, like that's kind of something to look forward to. That's awesome, but it's not this whole hype thing. And then I know I have quality time with that guy, and that's just so nice. Or I get really caught up in like errands, and if they're all in a row, like I need gas, and I have this, and I have that, could be so nice to have someone to like come alongside me and that to be able to text, be like, hey, can you run a tom thumb and get me this? Because when I when I'm stressed and I feel like I have to do all that, or like car, I just hate car stuff. So. Having to do that by myself, I feel so alone. Like sitting mm. in the dealership, trying to not have the sales guy, you know, charge you like a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars for my puncture and my radiator hose. Like, <laughs> bro, I'm a little more educated than that. Um, so that's where I, it's in those really weird small mm. moments that I feel really alone. It's not at the engagement parties or X, you know, that those type of things. It's in those really small moments. But it's kind of good to be able to like check yourself to be like, just because now I'm going to be dating somebody or engaged or married doesn't mean those feelings are going to go away. I feel the most lonely at holidays. Yeah. So if you're out there and the holidays start rolling around and you're like, what the heck? I don't know if it's just the we're all getting on a plane to go home and I wish there was someone sitting next to me that I was bringing home to all my family craziness. You know, we all have our things. Um, um, Or... If it goes back to what I said before about my desire to be a wife and a mom, like I think I feel that at the holidays when like everybody brings their kids and their spouses and the whole thing. And I'm like, gosh, did I miss the boat? So there's something about holidays that heighten it for me. But I mean, Katie, you had a great word in that like I have to process during those times of like having a person at the holidays is not going to cure my loneliness. So, yeah. That's really good. I think besides June of 2020 being the loneliest, (laughs) (laughs) because in the middle of quarantine, I think as an educator too, we were the first kicked out of our normal jobs and our normal Mm -hmm. lives. And so I went from one week of spring break to literally six months as of this week of spring break. And so Mm. for those first few days, even, even just the first month, my only human contact outside of my roommate were my students. And so there were moments I literally thank God for my singleness, as I said before, that I get to do my job. But there were moments where I was, kids were FaceTiming all day and they were checking in and they would call on a Saturday and I would be with someone and they'd be like, those kids are still calling you. And I'm like, they're my best friends. <laughs> and then I realized they're 10. <laughs> and I think that's when it got lonely. It was like in the middle of this when people are flying home or, you know, posting, oh, extended time with my families and I'm locked inside, but at least I have my kids and just sweet. If anything, quarantine was a sweet win for people to spend time with people they love um, if they were within that household. And I think that really reminded me 
outside of my family who is halfway across the nation mm-hmm. and losing church community. You know, we couldn't do anything together anymore that the closest thing I had to that immediate family in Fort Worth felt like my kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that made me feel, I think the most single in like the past five years was at the end of the day when I wanted to talk to someone and be with someone and be able to just be a normal human, not be in front and like putting on a show and not be the funniest person or the loudest or the smartest in the room, just to be me and to be loved for being who I am, I think Mm -hmm. was just really highlighted in 2020. (laughs) Yeah. I think that answer highlights the very definition of truly being known. And I think that's the difference in loneliness and not regardless of where you're at relationally, because I think so often we settle for proximity instead Mm -hmm. of presence. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of the key. And I, I was even joking with Josh earlier. I was like, Josh, I'm super single and I'm the least lonely person I know. Like I, I, I was like, I would not to be insensitive. I would kill to be lonely. Like I've driven home before to go see my family just so I could be by myself and shut my phone off for six and a half hours. Cause that's how long it takes me to drive home. And it's just this idea of like, I'm so thankful for how deep and rich my life is. And it's not praise God wrapped up in one person. It's, it all flows from who Jesus is and how I see him on display in literally everyone I'm surrounded by. And so my hope and prayer for single people like listening to this and processing everything we're sharing and saying super vulnerably, by the way, which I'm really thankful for. It's like, don't trade proximity for presence. Cause then you're going to alienate yourself from the people that you are, that you do have good community with, whether or not that's a significant other. And I think being known is such a, a valuable, vulnerable thing that takes time and effort and intentionality and all of these things that, I think so often we just trade in because we get tired and we settle or or we make something that's not the ultimate thing, the ultimate thing, and then we break it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I think is a lie that single people quickly trip over and a trap that we fall into is, is oh, as soon as I get X, Y, or Z, the loneliness will go away. And I'm like, no, it won't. It will just shift. It's just a shape shifter. It doesn't go away. And so I think it's really good that for single people to be in healthy community with each other to fight those lies while the Lord can still shape and mold your heart to prepare you to be in those closer, more intimate relationships that will get even messier if you make that person your ultimate. So can I say one more thing on this? Yeah, totally. Um, so something that I've noticed, I guess on the topic of vulnerability while you are feeling lonely, um, in my specific loneliness, and I know this is true for other people, so sometimes I just like to put it out there, but I feel like a lot of times in our loneliness, we engage in sin habits or patterns, whatever that looks like, fill in the blank, um, that you think maybe nobody knows about or no one's going to see. Well, when mm-hmm. you're married, you're doing every single part of your life with that person and they are going to see it. So I've definitely learned not only with a feeling of loneliness, with the actions I take after I feel those things mm-hmm. in my loneliness to recognize and start tackling because I don't want to step into marriage with some of those habits still going because that's not going to be loving him very well. Mm-hmm. And that's also going to show him some distress I have with the Lord of like, oh, I haven't learned to cope with my loneliness with the Lord. I've learned to cope with it with XYZ sin. Mm-hmm. So just wanted yeah. to put that out there. That's really, really good. Totally. I feel like for me, when I feel most alone is most often when I feel like my friends and family have let me down. Mm. <laughs> like it gives me space to be like, you know, in moments I have phenomenal friends and my family's terrific. But I think obviously we've already touched on we are all sinners and in need of a savior and the grace uh, that Jesus has to offer us. But 
I think in those moments when I feel like let down or unknown by them, to your point, Josh, I'm quick to be like, okay, the solution is a guy and dating and being in a relationship. Um, and I think on that note, that comes from a place of when I'm potentially maybe feel out of sync with the Lord. Like maybe I'll look back in the season and be like, gosh, why did I feel so lonely on that random Tuesday night? Um, And can look back and be like, okay, what does my time with the Lord look like? Have I been spending time with the Lord? Have I been disciplined in confessing sin to my friends? And um, yeah, just being around people who are going to pull me to look more like Jesus. And I think when I go through those moments or days, sometimes yeah, longer than that, where um, I don't feel the intimacy of the Lord. I'm quick to be like, in my sinfulness, I won't be like, okay, I have to lean into Jesus. It's, oh gosh, I got to get a boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And we can all talk about that and be like, okay, obviously that's not the solution. But um, I think in those moments, if I'm being honest, that's where I feel um, the most alone. I think also calling it a season can be toxic sometimes mm. because seasons three mm. days is not a season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's clarify. Because seasons you get out of. Yes. And especially in Texas, we're ready for this season to be over. Right. And I think desiring like a time limit is making you believe that lie that one, this is for everyone, right? We haven't read the Lord's game plan for our whole life. So it's a lie if I believe I'm behind in the season. But I think looking at it as a season makes you feel like you're ready to get out. And you're ready to move on. And people ask you, like, what are your next steps to get out of this season? And so I think it's such an easy phrase to say, but especially being in Texas, you want to get out of the season. And I think knowing that the Lord could be, this is my plan for you right now. And he doesn't tell you how long the right now is. And so Mm. I think that's huge. I think that's very insightful. And so along those lines, I think the church for a while has referred to singleness as a season specifically. And so that verbiage, I think, is perpetuated because for whatever reason, the church sees it as like, oh, this is like a season. And one day you'll graduate, quote unquote, from this season to another one. Right. And what I think is really interesting is so many theologians that have shaped the church have been single. Paul single. Jesus, kind of a big deal. Single, right? (laughs) Yet, while the church has been shaped for millennia by single people, oftentimes the church right now um, doesn't do the best job at loving and ministering to single people well. What do you guys think the church can do, like the Big C Church can do to better love and minister to single people? It bothers me when the church does relationship series and they get to the singleness part, whether it starts it off, it's in the middle, it's sprinkled in throughout, and they say the Bible doesn't teach you how to date, or let's look at specific biblical characters that were single and what they did, blah, 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 blah. And trust me, I'm absolutely for using the Bible in context, and I completely believe that it applies to 2020 today. But I do think in a way, actually, the Bible does give guidelines for dating. It's a very rough framework. It's not the playbook that the high school football teams use in Texas that (laughs) win state championships. But I think that we have to use that and break it down more. And I've heard more single girls that I meet with and even some of my guy friends say like, I just don't know what to do. Mm. I don't even know where to start or if that's okay, if that's not okay. And I think that you have to like hash that out. And I think it is important from the stage for a pastor to say X, Y, Z is not okay. It's just not. And if you're going to sit here and proclaim the name of Christ, just don't do it. And for both guys and girls. And if you are meeting with 
someone one-on-one and you are kind of counseling them through dating, don't be afraid to call them out. Like, even if it's funny or trendy, like, there's so many ways to easily kind of get someone's interest, but it's clearly not paying off. I mean, our culture has never been, excuse my language, more soft dating ever. <laughs> um, and I think that people just need to get more real and kind of back it down a little bit and strip it down and just go back to the whole, you see them in one context, you appreciate what you see, you kind of check on some of your friends about them, check their character, and then you go for it. No more of this weird, well, okay, so I replied to her Instagram DM and then I waited six hours because she waited four. Mm-hmm. Like, that's ridiculous, you know? But also, you have to own everything that you're doing. And yeah. so something I was thinking about is how I react or don't react in a dating situation someone might tell that person about, so I hope I do it honorably. So it's kind of a two-winged answer there. No, but, totally. Yeah. I think that's really good because I think that as someone who preaches, it's oftentimes easy to feel like if I don't have a clear biblical reference for this, I don't know how to say it, right? And the reality is you're not going to find that verse that's like, thou shalt, you know, ask them face to face or something, right? <laughs> yes, um, yes. <laughs> but like that concept and like loving, like, I mean, if you just took the phrase like, hey, like we're called to love our neighbor, right? Perfect. Like you could create an entire sermon on dating just based on how do we love our neighbor well. And yes. so I think you're onto something there where there are ways for us to take scripture, even if it doesn't come out and explicitly talk about dating in 2020 to actually equip our people to date in ways that are loving and not unloving or honestly just disastrous. Yes, yes. I agree with that, Josh. And my hope and prayer is just that the church would lead men and women to engage in relationships in a way that is set apart from the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to what you said about loving your neighbor. It's just like, how do we love each other in a way that's set apart from the world? The world says you can use this app. The world says, you know, wait this many days before you call her. The world says don't be too available, but don't be too, you know, unavailable. The world says, you know, whatever it is that's the most recent thing you've seen on your Instagram feed made into a meme. Like, let's (laughs) let's come alongside each other and model, like, what it looks like to treat people in a way that you know, the Bible says a way that's clear, a way that's truth centered, a way that's overflowing with grace. Because if I'm honest, I don't think that most of my relationships, whether they're, you know, some friendships or, you know, guy to girl or whatever it is, they're not clear, truth centered and overflowing with grace. And so, I mean, I I just, I think that's an incredible point of loving your neighbor. And I think that would be what my hope for the church and their role in singleness is I don't think they need to preach about it once a month. I don't think they need to, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like I just, I just don't. And I think it is tricky. So, you know, my heart goes out too, because there's so many like wrong things you can say or whatever, but. Cool. I love that. I think for me, um, I wish single series about relationships were not so people focused. And Mm. what I mean by that is they're like 10 things you should look for in a spouse. And so like, here I am getting told by a pastor. I trust all the things that I need to start looking for in another person, but also in me. So I'm like, so focused on like, am I like all about me or all about that other person? Mm -hmm. And so I leave the sermon being like, all right, goggles are on. Like, here we go. Let me go find all these qualities. And like, instead 
it's it's why like we should the sermon should be why you get married not who you get married to mm. you know like we need to remind everyone why we want to get married so that way when we are lonely and we're like man I just wish I was in a relationship it's like okay let's talk about why 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 do people get in relationships and start reframing our brains a little bit better and I think another thing that is interesting to me is when I see like singleness podcast by one of the churches, maybe I listen to their podcast. Like I immediately am like, I got to listen, you know, like yeah. I got to learn more. I got to learn more. And I'm like, wow, what if, you know, what if the sermon was called seeking Christ first? Yeah. <laughs> you know, would I go listen? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Um, <laughs> it says, Paul's like, you know, be anxious about how you can serve the Lord. That's yeah. why he says for single people specifically, and I am like, wow, if all of those sermon titles were switched to like seeking Christ first instead of singleness, I probably wouldn't go listen. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I wouldn't be so apt to like learn more, even though that's, that's kind of like the bottom line, yeah. seek first the kingdom. And I think that's just so interesting that we kind of, with all, when the church talks about these topics of relationship, you just immediately go to yourself first yeah. and what, which stage you're at or which stage you want to be at. It's yeah. all really mm. centered on yeah. you. Totally. It's easy to get so self-focused in that when you hear sermons like that. Mm-hmm. For mm. sure. And it's hilarious, just to your point, like there have been times when we've preached a sermon and before we put it up online, we're like, all right, what's going to be like a clickable title? Totally. Right. <laughs> right. What's sexy? Like what totally. are you, what's, what's yeah. clickbait? <laughs> and yeah, no, honestly. And like, I think that like, and, and especially now with COVID stuff, it's so fascinating. Like, like church has become the antithesis of what the church is supposed to be because we can't physically be in the same same space. And so going to church is just who has the best streaming content, you know? Mm. And so it's so easy in this season, especially to just scroll the internet for what is the title that's going to hook me. But I think specifically within the dating context, it really is easy. And I think that is uh, something for us to just keep in mind of, like, are we drawing them into something that is true and biblical, or are we just trying to do mm-hmm. that, the 10, 10 things to get a guy or 10 things to get a girl or like whatever it is, you know? And so I think that's an interesting mm-hmm. point because it really is easy to think what can bring a crowd as opposed to what can form our people and shape our people into the men and women that God has called them to be. Totally. And it's, I'm, sh- I can't imagine the pressure that churches have to make sure their numbers are where they're supposed to be at specifically right now. But I also know that when I hear a good sermon, I don't keep it to myself. Yeah. Hopefully. Totally. And if you're out there, you listen to amazing sermons, don't keep them to yourself yeah, or totally. podcasts or articles, whatever it is, um, that you share it and you share it because you're like this helped reframe my brain back to like where the Lord wants, mm. um, like wh- what biblical truth is, you know? Yeah, totally. And so I think if hopefully the big C church could remind themselves, like, just like we preach instant gratification doesn't help anything. Same with clicks. Clicks will come if it's that great, yeah. you know? Totally. Mm. I think off of what MJ is saying too, it's like where we find our identity. So mm. if I walk into a building and I define myself as the single girl Mm -hmm. and I think it feels like that you know when the pastor goes up there and okay this is Mm -hmm. a relationship series this is single everyone's shifting in their seats and it's like okay we know there's 10 of us you know (laughs) I guess this is for me but I think in a real world setting I don't walk around and say by the way I'm a girl like and that's Mm -hmm. part of my identity Mm -hmm. but I don't claim it you know so I think 
if we're saying our identity is in Christ, then that's what the series is about, yeah. you know, and it's who you are, whether you're in a relationship or if you're single or you're married or you're engaged. But if I find that my identity is just strictly in that singleness, then I can either block out all the other sermons, which is silly because ideally, right, right, we're all saying that marriage is a wonderful gift. Totally. Um, and then I kind of made a joke earlier, like leads me. I think singleness is a gift is one of the most said phrases. And my <laughs> high school, like Bible, you know, the ones where you like highlight the entire birth of Jesus because that was important. <laughs> <laughs> I have one of those. I, uh, I did that. Yeah, for sure. No, I have that. Um, I probably, and every time it comes up in a sermon, I wrote like singleness is a gift in there. Mm. And I think, yes, it is. But for anyone who grew up watching rom-coms or in a <laughs> family that you wanted to have a family like that, like it is a mm. gift, but I compare it to it literally being your 16th birthday and you get so excited, especially in Orange County, like oh, yeah. everyone's getting their Duffy cars. Boat. Yeah. <laughs> and it's this huge thing. And then let me just walk out to a bike. Now, like a bike would be a wonderful thing, like on a Tuesday in the middle of July, because it's not my birthday, you know, and it's a very sweet gift. It's loving. It's thought about from my earthly father and mother, and it was spent, they spent money on it. They went through it, but at the end of the day, it wasn't the gift that in my head I had desired. So I think oftentimes like the Lord is like, yes, like singleness is your gift, but we as humans and as sinners, we've convinced ourselves it's not the gift either A, we deserve, or B, we want. Yeah. And mm. so I think if we try and compare it to things in real life that we would never look at my earthly father and be like, oh, I would say thank you and graciously like be appreciative of that and then figure out what am I going to do if and when that next step comes. Yeah, it's mm. really good. I think the way you shape that too uh, – kind of makes me think about another way if the church the capital c church isn't careful it can kind of perpetuate and it can actually instead of combating the lies that its people are listening to it can it can add you know fuel to the flame of if we teach like hey if you do these 10 things or if you look for these six qualities and if you exhibit these then you'll get this and that feeds that entitlement we get like okay god like one plus one equals two so if i do these three things and i pray this and i ask these questions and i have this community and i do all these things then i'll get into a relationship and that's not necessarily true and i think None of us in, in this room sitting here and probably most people listening to this podcast wouldn't say that they have a workspace faith. They're like, no, it's by grace through faith that I'm saved and that anything God gives me is common grace. Like that's why it's called common grace. We, I think, get so caught up in entitlement and we would never verbally say, oh, I have a workspace faith. But sometimes we live as if we do because it's like, oh, if I do this, I get this. And I think that's something that if the church isn't careful, it can perpetuate um, in how it does talk about singleness or relationships. Like, hey, if you do these six things, your your spouse is going to do these six things. Or you're going to get this. or And it's like, and then we get entitled and we feel really caught off guard when we don't get what we want or we get something we don't want. Like when sickness or hardship comes and it's like, hey, whoa, 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 God, I, I held up my end of the bargain. And that's that's not how we like we're called to operate, but I think the church can send that message even subliminally if we're not subliminally, if we're not careful. Yeah. I feel like going off the bike, I kind of think (laughs) about it. It's like, no, this is, I'm serious. I get the bike and I'm like, the bike's a gift. The bike's a gift. And here I am like, just like repeating the sentence, like the bike's a gift, the bike's a gift. Have I learned how to ride the bike? Has anyone decided to teach me how to like do anything with the bike? 
No. Will anyone go bike riding with me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All these things. But it's like we kind of treat singleness to then a relationship or marriage as then you're getting a car. But in reality, we talk about how singleness is seeking after the Lord. That's what you're doing Mm -hmm. in singleness. So that doesn't change. Technically, you still have the bike when you're married, um, you know. And then you hear all these married people be like, oh, don't waste your singleness. Don't waste your singleness. And we like have this quote unquote bike in a garage because no one, we didn't decide to ride it because we were just like focused on making sure we were positive about. Yeah. You're like, gift. I don't want anyone to know I have a bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to walk. Walking is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we're super, love walking. super busy saving up for the car. <laughs> like you're super busy, like building all these characteristics and like yeah. a bunch of us have mentioned just like becoming better humans to be our best self for our spouse. But that's not, it's being our best self to serve the kingdom of God while we have time on this earth. And I think if we let it go to waste, that's what something we'll all regret if we get to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we've already kind of touched on this, but something I feel like the church could consider um, just potentially adjusting the narrative behind is the way that we talk about womanhood, period. Like mm-hmm. the way that we, um, I feel like so often the conversation goes back to you, like we kind of joke about the verse or the chapter of Proverbs 31 and like it starts off with an excellent woman who can find she is worth far more than um, precious jewels. And I think that creates a um, feeling sometimes for young ladies to be like, okay, wait, I want to be more precious. Like I'm like fighting for this, like, oh, I want to be an excellent wife and um, kind of taking a step back and be like, we know what are we first? Like we are ambassadors of Christ. And what does that mean to actually represent him and to um, be, yeah, just representation of the invisible grace that he gives us. And, um, and I think for us to, like you said, Katie, like it's not, my identity isn't, Hey, I'm Hannah, I'm single. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, there's so much more in front of that. And like, that's a part of my story and something that maybe won't be forever. But I think also we talk about singleness in a way that, um, we all, it seems like we always talk in a way that it's temporary. Like Al, you touched on, yeah, we don't know how long it's going to last, but with the expectation that, but there is an ending. Um, and I think we also have to address the conversation that, some women are single for their entire lives. And we talk about men in scripture and we kind of, um, I don't know, like debunk some of, yeah, just like you were saying, like with Paul and he, we think about him so highly of like, oh my gosh, he was on fire for the Lord and did so much in his singleness. And I don't think we like see a suite of examples of, you know, with women of that in scripture. And I think that can just be a little tricky um, as we kind of navigate that totally in some ways. And I think you're spot on. Like one, so I remember there there was a night uh, before Haley and I got got married, and I was at dinner with a bunch of my married friends, and we weren't talking about relationships at all. And in the middle of dinner, my friend's wife looks at me, puts her hand on my arm, and says, "It's gonna happen." <laughs> and I was like, "What? What's gonna happen?" And she's like, "You." Are gonna find someone, and I just remember feeling like I'm not. I'm not waiting for a kidney transplant, right? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. but like, yes. But like, the whole posture was, this is temporary. Understand, this is temporary. I'm, I'm, I'm just believing in faith that someone's gonna come. And like, I remember feeling, and like, I was in a place in my mental state where I was like, I, like, I, like, I'm cool. I'm chilling. I can remember thinking that if I was in a worse place, I would hear that. And that, that could be a false hope. Like that, that could be a false hope of what if the Lord was calling me not to a season, but to a life of following after him and using my singleness 
forever. And I think that, that, that you're right, that seasonality of like this will come to an end could be really misleading in a, in a bunch of ways. Yes. Like we talk about it, like it's a disease and we're waiting for the cure to come out. Yeah. And even like my sweet mom who loves the Lord will always go back to she's like, and I think a lot of our parents do this like, oh yeah, they pray for our future spouses. Um, but I think in some ways of being like, the expectation is like, there is one, like, don't you worry. Right. You might, yeah. you might not see him right now, but like he's there. And I think it's almost like a taboo topic to be like, oh wait, that actually is not guaranteed. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. That's absolutely a desire and um, would love to get married one day to a godly dude. But at the same time, it's not something that I think we should talk about in conversation where it's like one day, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, totally. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> no, I'm with with you 100. percent All right. Last question, lightning round. Whoop. If you could tell single bros one thing, if there's like a single bro out there listening, uh, what would you tell single bros in the dating pool? Stop playing Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> you're wasting your time. Go out and get the Wait, ladies. You're saying that you're not <laughs> impressed. By 12-hour days on the sofa. Not exactly, no. Shocker. (laughs) I would say, honestly, that, like, don't be afraid to have the conversation. We've talked about it, but dating doesn't have to be this insane thing, right? Like, we can go get coffee, and it doesn't have to include a diamond ring. (laughs) And I think, too, that while singleness is a huge part of who we are, it doesn't define us, so it might not be at that moment something we want to talk about. So not necessarily single dudes, but our community around us, that might not be the only thing we want to talk about, you know? And we Mm. might not always want to answer why it's not us right now. So I think just treating us like you would everyone else and doing life. And then I think that's where the most joy is going to come from is pursuing Jesus together because that's the ultimate goal. Cool. Mine's two part. I think it'll be the shortest thing I've said this whole podcast, but (laughs) just ask and get real about your sin with someone that you trust. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Um, I would say, if you're if you're a single guy and you're pursuing the Lord and you know your identity is rooted in Christ, then a no from a girl honestly shouldn't hurt too bad if you're in like the first few dates with a girl. And because of that, that should just spur you on to love Jesus more and keep trying. Um, because you know, I, I can't imagine from a girl's standpoint, always maybe if you're in a bubble that guys do ask girls that you're always having to ask. And if you keep getting told no, what is that telling you? And that's really disheartening. But from the flip side, we will, we love to be asked. And um, (laughs) if you're clear and honest, um, then a girl pursuing the Lord, of course, we're not perfect and we sin and we're wicked, but we will try to be clear and honest back uh, to the best of our abilities. Um, So I just think if you're rooted if your identity is in the Lord, then a denial shouldn't s- stunt you from asking again. Totally. Mm. Yeah, mine was, dude, ask her out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a proposal. Just ask her out. And if she sees it as a proposal, that's not your problem. Yeah, and, she, yeah, and <laughs> like, that's run. on her. Totally. Yeah. I think, yeah, exactly. Like, we, there's no such thing as being too clear, first of all. Like, we've talked about this Several times, um, I feel like with my friends, what does it look like to actually be asked on a date and call it a date? Um, In some ways, it's like, 
okay, just say the scary sentence and whatever her reaction may be, you can't control, but you can control the way that you're prayerful about it beforehand. Um, not just that, God, I pray that she says yes, but Lord, let your will be done. Like, I think if we all pray that prayer more, we are going to be filled with more peace and more joy. And therefore the rejection isn't going to sting as bad. It's going to scratch you, but it's not going to be a lasting wound. Um, and so I think to Katie's point, like get surround yourself with men who have done it well. Get to know more Joshes, get to know people who have dated and have messed up, um, but can say, hey, dude, this is what I've learned, um, and I'm all the better for it for these reasons. Um, And I think your future significant other is going to appreciate the work that you're putting in in your own walk and, you know, in the mornings spending time with the Lord and just learning and growing your own life and um, just trusting, yeah, that the Lord has whatever he has for you. Love it. Well, y'all, thank you so much for giving us your time. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited for people to listen. Uh, I think it's going to be a blessing for sure. So thanks, y'all. Well, I don't know about you, uh, but I feel like that was a really rich conversation. And we hope that it was helpful. We hope that uh, there was a part of that that you were able to resonate with and even feel less alone if you identify with some of the places where they were. Um, Brooke, as we close, give us a few takeaways. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There was so much good stuff in there. It's kind of hard to think about all of it uh, just off the top of my head, but I was really thankful for those women and what they shared, and um, it gave me a lot to think about. So there's a few things that really stuck out to us that we want to make sure if you're listening to this episode that these are some takeaways that are on your heart that maybe the Lord uses um, to help you think about singleness and dating and, and those things. Um, the first is trust the Lord. Um, everyone, everyone we interviewed really talked about this idea of being thankful for how they've seen the Lord protect them in a lot of ways, even in the midst of their singleness, and how they're so thankful for how things didn't work out the way they thought they wanted to. Um, and I found that so interesting. And yeah, singleness is hard, and it can really mess with your head, but... I think the key for this season being sweet and you being healthy in it and loving people well in the midst of your singleness is to really trust the Lord and know that he's at work. And just because you're single doesn't mean he doesn't care or doesn't see you or isn't aware of the desires of your heart. Um, He is worthy of trust regardless of what your relationship status is. So trust the Lord. Kind of second, something else that we wanted to make sure was, was a takeaway from this conversation was the idea that your significant other cannot hear me say that, cannot be your savior. Um, I think that's something that a lot of people are tempted to do where they put their hope and trust and even identity in um, the relationship, but specifically the person they're in the relationship with. And that is just a recipe for disaster, right? Um, there's things that we could put our identity in all day long. Um, and I think when we, get in, when we get into relationships, one thing that breaks them faster than anything else is when we assign the wrong kind of weight or importance to our significant other. And we ask them to like be our hope and be our encouragement and and be where we find our identity and our worth. And when we ask them to carry that, we're putting a burden on them that they're not designed or biblically required to carry. And so I think that can actually wreck a lot of really good relationships that maybe start out healthy is when we place that value on the significant other that we should be placing on and relying on Christ to meet those needs and allow us to love not just our significant other, but everyone around us better. Um, And so that would be our caution if you're hearing this. And maybe that's where you've stumbled before and you've seen that play out in your life of you've put kind of all your eggs in that basket of putting your significant other above all else. And we would encourage you um, to know that your significant other cannot be your savior um, and you can't be theirs. 
that kind of leads us to, to our last takeaway, which is to steward the gift well. And it might sound kind of cliche. And even in our conversation with the girls, we, we had a blast um, talking about this idea of singleness as a gift. And the truth is, whether or not you like the gift, it's a gift. Um, but it's a gift that we're called to use well and to use rightly. Um, so often, I think we waste our singleness by wishing we didn't have it or pretending that we don't have it um, and kind of locking it away. But um, singleness can be used in a really unique way, I think, to spread the gospel and to build relationships with the time and capacity you have as a single person that you won't have for forever um, if you're looking to get into a relationship. And so, you know, the goal is not for singleness to end. The goal is each and every day to use what the Lord has given you to bring him glory and to love others well and to spread the gospel. And so we hope that if you're listening to this and you're a single person that you wouldn't um, simply sit there and, and your prayers wouldn't be marked by wishing your singleness away, but your prayers would be marked by, man, God, how can I use everything I have to make much of you? Um, and so we really think a lot of those are, are the key things to doing well in singleness and to appreciating um, the gift and um, we hope that it was a blessing to you and that those takeaways of, again, you know, trust the Lord and don't let your significant other be your savior and use the gift of singleness well. Um, we hope that that's a blessing to you. Man, I could not agree more. Brooke, thank you so much for taking time and for speaking truth. And thank you to everyone else who is listening. Uh, we hope that this was helpful. And we'll see you next time for the next installment of Something's Off.